Some Notes on the Celebration of the Eucharist by Alan Armstrong The celebration of the Eucharist consists of seven parts, which are as follows. 1. Preparation Consisting of the Asperges, the Confession and Absolution, the Prayer of the Little Entrance, the Kyries and the Litany. Part 2. The Ministry of the Word Consisting of the Little Entrance, the Introit, Collect, Trisagion, Epistle, the Apostle, the Creed and the Bidding. Part 3. The Offertory Consisting of the Offering of the Elements, the Great Entrance, the Oblation of the Elements, the Karubicon, the Sensing, the Lavabo and the Secretor. Part 4. The Canon Consisting of the Salutation, the Preface, the Sanctus, the Lord's Prayer, the Consecration and the Epiclesis of the Great Oblation. Part 5. The Intercession the commemoration of the living and the commemoration of the departed. Part 6. The Communion The Great Echophonesis, the Invitation, the Prayer of Sanctification, the Fraction, the Consignation and Commixture, the Agnes Day, the Sanctus, the Pax and the Administration. Part 7. The Post-Communion consisting of the post-communion prayer, additional post-communion prayer, dismissal of the faithful, hymn of the dismissal, the benediction and the recessional hymn. During the Gasperges, the confession and absolution, all of those gathered together in good faith are cleansed of the dross of matter, which means their conscience is purified of guilt and made ready to engage insofar as our understanding allows, in the process of withdrawing from the mundane world. The first stage of this withdrawal is signified when the celebrant turns to the people and gives the salutation, the Lord be with you, to which the people respond and with thy spirit, to which the celebrant responds and let us pray. This invitation, let us pray, relates to the prayer of the little entrance which is a prayer requesting divine permission to enter the outer court of the inner temple. For at this point, the faithful stand at the portal of the spiritual world, to which safe entry is only secured by divine consent. It must be understood that the Holy of Holies lies at the heart of the temple. The little entrance marks the passage into the outer court of the Holy of Holies. The passage into this elevated world signifies a withdrawing from the physical world of the body into the deeper recesses of the soul. The Kyries and the Litany further emphasize this petition. The words Kyrioleison and Christioleison are Greek for Lord have mercy and Christ have mercy respectively. As archaic as these words may seem, when intoned properly, they have the ability to stir the soul in a way that is difficult for the rational mind to comprehend. This motivating power is also applicable to the litany, which is a prayer that follows the Kyries, intoned by the deacon with the response Kyrie given by the people. Combined together, 
both the curies and the litany focus the attention upon the spiritual work involved, elevating the consciousness of the faithful above the turbulent chemistry of the instinctive nature. The Ministry of the Word The Ministry of the Word consists of the consecration of the temple in fire and calling upon the Divine Presence for assistance in the alchemical process of transformation that lies at the heart of the Eucharist. This is followed by the reading of the Epistle and the Gospel, which is intended to inspire the elevated consciousness of the congregation, lifting their thoughts beyond the realm of the carnal nature of the mundane world. Having first purified in earth and water, in the Asperger's, and then in air, in the confession and absolution, and then finally, incense, or fire, is offered to sanctify the temple, both inner and outer, anew, calling upon God and his holy angels to sanction this movement out of the transient chemistry of the first Adam into the outer court of the Holy of Holies. This completes the purification in the four elements and sets the scene for those gathered to call upon the Church triumphant in the introit to join them in the celebration of the Eucharist. The Introit there are many introits that vary according to the season and to the feast, but we tend to use one in particular for regular use, which begins, O thou my brethren of the heavenly light. That generally suits most purposes. There are no rules about which introits should be used, other than it must, a, elevate the minds of those gathered together beyond the realms of secular thought and feeling, and b, attune their souls to the spiritual life and C, be suitable to the occasion. To emphasise this transition from the secular to the spiritual, readings from the scriptures are undertaken to focus the mind of the people on spiritual matters. This takes place in three stages. The first consists of a reading from the epistles, which addresses issues faced by the soul attempting to live the spiritual life in this world. The second consists of a reading from the Gospels, which describes elements of the life of Christ and provides many useful metaphors concerning the mysteries of regeneration. The third stage, the Sermon, explores the eternal and timeless message of the Epistles and the Gospels. The Creed In the Creed, the will of the people sets in motion a dynamic affirmation of faith that further aligns it with the Church triumphant. This alignment is fundamental to all that follows, and could not take place without the elevation of consciousness that is central to the ministry of the Word. Several points should be noted here. First, the living Christ taught humanity a way of life that transcends death and that our soul will overcome all that the world can do to it so long as we follow the path of Jesus Christ. Secondly, the six points laid out at the end of the Creed demonstrate a clear understanding of the spiritual nature of life, rather than the secular nature promoted by the world. The Bidding In the words, Honour the Lord with thy substance, and with the firstfruits of all thine increase, the priest asks the people to contribute to the Eucharist's service. 
Today, this is commonly understood to be a request for money or the mission of the church, but should be properly understood as a request for the people, insofar as they can, to offer elements of their secular abundance for a. the upkeep of the church and its priest, and b. of their spiritual abundance in the form of bread and wine, including salt and water, to be transformed in the consecration. In both forms, the willingness to give should be without reserve and full of love for the Church and for God. It is in the form of unreserved love that the offering is given, which is important, not how much we give. The Dismissal of the Catechumens Traditionally, the dismissal of the catechumens was the point where those who were being prepared for baptism were requested to leave the celebration of the Eucharist because they were still in a state of spiritual impurity. As the offertory is about to take place, which requires the elements of those purified, the catechumens have to leave as they have no place in what follows. The offertory The offertory denotes that point where the four elements, which symbolise the purified yet unregenerate parts of human nature, have been brought from the four quarters by the people to the priest and offered as a living sacrifice upon the altar of God. The bread consists of corn and salt and symbolises the elements of air and earth. The wine and water symbolise fire and water. As such, they are a physical and symbolic representation of the sublunary world that makes up nature and constitute a reaffirmation of the commitment made to the perfecting of that nature in baptism and confirmation. The Great Entrance If the little entrance marks the passage into the outer court, the Great Entrance marks a movement into the holy place, where having been purified it is possible to call upon spiritual forces. Standing at the royal gate, the priest salutes the people, after which the priest receives the bread from the west and says, I will go unto the altar of God. The priest then enters the sanctuary, the holy place, and proceeds to the altar and offers the bread and salt to God, that it may become the holy body of thine only begotten in the oblation of the bread. The priest then turns to the west with the chalice in his hands and receives the elements of wine and water from the south and the north. Turning to the altar, the priest offers the wine and water to God, that it may become the precious blood of thine only begotten, in the oblation of the chalice. At this point, we should reflect on the fact that it is the essence of the four elements that is drawn out from our bodies and offered up to God in the form of bread and wine. In symbolical terms, they are elements of our physical, psychic and spiritual nature. Upon the altar, these coarse elements of our nature are transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit into a new substance, the body and blood of Jesus Christ, a substance more akin to light in form and nature, which is reabsorbed into our being during communion. This mysterious species not only strengthens and sustains our souls, but over the course of time transforms our earthly substance and nature into the body of the second Adam. The Karubicon. 
The Karubicon is a hymn sung by the people, calling upon the angelic forces to come forth and bless those present, and to assist with the spiritual dynamics of the consecration. During this time, the essence of the elements is absorbed into the Divine Presence, whereby the energies are conformed to the will of God. The Sensing of the Oblations Whilst the Rekubicon is being sung, the priest senses the oblations, thereby establishing around them a vortex of light and energy, to separate them from external influence until the moment of consecration. The separation means that only the spiritually increasing influence of the Divine Presence can affect them, and that no external or material force will. The significance of this fact will become clear to those who meditate on the process. The sensing is done thus. The priest makes with the censer three crosses of fire over the oblations, and traces three circles around the oblations in the pathway of the sun all of which is done in the name of the Holy Trinity. And the words, thus we establish three crosses of fire in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And then they shall swirl and they shall spin, even as the primer mobile at the birth of creation. The priest then senses the clergy and the people while uttering Psalm 141 verses 1 and 2 to include them within the scope of the intention that they too may be free of extraneous influence. The Lavabo The cleansing of the hands by the priest, accompanied by the words, I will wash my hands in innocency, signifies not only a cleansing of the hands after the preparation of the elements, but a purification and dedication of mind and body in preparation for the prayer of the secretary. The Orate Fratres After the purification of the body and mind in the lavabo, the priest declares to the people the intention to offer the elements to God on the altar and that they should all now focus upon the prayer of the secretor. In declaring this intention and invoking a mindful response, the priest draws together the energies and the will of the faithful into a powerful field of energy. This field of energy is a hallmark of the mass of the faithful in contrast to the mass of the catechumens. The secretor or secret prayer. If the combined energies and the will of the faithful take the form of a field of energy, then the priest may be considered as a conduit of that energy between them and God. Not that God requires the priest to be in place, rather it is the people that require the priest to act as a mouthpiece and a channel. Thus the priest quietly offers a sacrifice upon the altar, giving voice to the thoughts and feelings of the faithful, the opening words of which describe the offerings of the bread and the wine, together with ourselves, our souls and bodies, which indicates that it is not merely the symbolic form of bread and wine that are offered, exclusively as it were, but also represents and includes the entire body, soul and spirit of the faithful. Thus the sacrifice is a complete sacrifice of all that we are, to be transformed by the will of the divine into the spiritual substance of light. The anaphora, 
or the canon of the Mass. The canon is the name used for the essential part of the Eucharist service, central to which is the consecration which comes after the offertory and before the communion. The term canon signifies a form of words to which the faithful must conform, as opposed to the Mass of the Catechumens and the Mass of the Faithful, which have many variable parts used according to the season and the purpose of the Mass. Essentially, the canon remains the same during every Mass. In the traditions of the Holy Celtic Church, the canon begins with the salutation and preface and continues through to the amnesis or prayer and epiclesis of the Great Oblation. The Salutation The invitation to partake in the canon begins when the priest turns to the faithful and utters the first words of the salutation. The Lord be with you. A blessing that is accepted by the faithful and who respond with the words and with thy spirit. This is not merely an archaic formality. Rather, it expresses a willful conflation of the minds of the faithful and the priest in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. The priest, giving expression to the energies of the faithful in the forthcoming Sursum Corda and the preface. The Sursum Corda, which means in Latin, lift up your hearts. It is the call to wholehearted thanks for the gifts of the spiritual life, as specified in the preface, and has been a common feature of traditional Christian Eucharistic liturgies as far back as the 3rd century. These words are more than simple calls to worship. They are an exhortation to attend with all of our mind, body and soul, to fully engage in a positive expression of love and gratitude in what follows. The Preface The words of the preface, uttered by the priest, a. call the faithful to join together in prayer, b. articulate the love and gratitude of the faithful for the redemptive work of the Lord Jesus Christ, c. acknowledges the presence and the power of the Holy Trinity, and d. focuses the intention and positive emotional energy of the faithful upon the elements that are about to be transformed. The preface concludes in the faithful joining with the heavenly hosts to praise the Creator of all. This is a very special moment, a moment when, among other things, the veil parts allowing the divine light to descend, facilitating the conditions for the consecration to take place. It is also at this moment the Eucharist is dedicated to a specific purpose, such as the spiritual guidance and assistance of a particular group or figure or for the survivors of a specific disaster, thus broadening the scope to include others in the embrace of this special moment. The Sanctus During the ministry of the Word, those present called upon the brethren of the heavenly light to assist them to enter the spiritual world in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here, in chanting the Sanctus, the faithful join with their heavenly brethren to adore the Creator of all and in doing so generate a vortex of spiritual energy which enfolds both the priest and the altar during the recital of the Paternoster and remains in place for the remainder of the Mass. The Prayer and Epiclesis of the Consecration 
During the prayer and epiclesis, the elements in the form of bread and wine are transformed into the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a concept many people find perplexing, if not difficult to deal with. However, we should be mindful that our ancestors were not fools, nor were they stupid. The mystery of the Eucharist service may be difficult to fathom, but it is nonetheless real. In the prayer, the priest, on behalf of the people, asks God to send forth the Holy Spirit to transform the nature of the elements into the body and blood of the Lord. This transubstantiation of the energies, or nature, of the elements is understood to take place at the words, This is my body, and this is my blood. Words uttered by the Lord Jesus Christ on the eve of his betrayal. The Epiclesis The Epiclesis is the prayer that invokes the presence of the Holy Spirit in the name of God to transform the nature of the four elements of corn, salt, wine and water, which are representations of the sublunary constituents of the carnal man, into the body of light. It is the heart of the Eucharistic service. The Great Oblation is a continuation of the Epiclesis, during which the priest, on behalf of the gathered faithful, offers the transformed elements as a bloodless sacrifice and prays that they be changed into the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit and offered to God the Father by the risen Lord Jesus Christ for the sins of the world and to ask for the forgiveness of our sins and restore us to eternal life. It should be understood that from an esoteric perspective, light exists everywhere. It is the true life which gives light to every man coming into the world. See John 1 verse 9. And the means of engaging with the energies of that light had long been known to the ancient world through the sacrificial rites in which the fruits of the earth, including animal life, were sacrificed and thereby purified. In this way, worshippers, through partaking of consecrated food and drink, could infuse and purify the physical and etheric bodies of humanity and bring them into alignment with the spiritual world. An ancient practice that was changed once and for all when Jesus Christ gave himself as a sacrifice on behalf of humanity. As a result, over the course of time, the use of animal sacrifice fell away as prayer and the elements of humanity became the norm in the Eucharistic rite. The elements may be thought by some to be symbolic, but the truth is they are very real, if not visible, much in the same way as light itself is not visible, yet it exists and is known only through its energies or activities. In the Eucharistic rite, the energies of the four elements are drawn out from the bodies of the people and offered up to God in the form of bread and wine. The bread consists of corn, representing air, combined with salt, which represents earth. The wine consists of water, combined with the spirit of the grape, symbolising fire. Upon the altar, within the divine light, the unstable elements of our nature are invisibly transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit into a new substance, the body and blood of Christ, a substance of light, 
which is reabsorbed by the people during communion. This mysterious species not only strengthens and sustains our souls, but over the course of time transforms our earthly nature into a spiritual nature, the body of the second Adam. This transformation is not merely a chemical process, as in the work of the alchemists, although that is clearly a part of it, but a spiritual catharsis that transforms the very substance of our being. A close comparison is that of a seed changing into a plant, such as a tree, or perhaps a caterpillar changing into a butterfly. Thus at its heart, the Eucharistic rite is concerned with the transformation of human nature from a creature of earth into a creature of heaven, and it is the work of orders such as this one to assist people to achieve that spiritual goal, a goal intended for all. The Commemoration of the Living Incense is blessed, and the server stands in the royal gate, offering it as a symbol of the prayer of the commemoration. The ascending incense is to be regarded as an odour of sanctity, carrying the prayers of the faithful to God the Father. The format of this part of the service is to pray both for the church at large and the church we serve in, including its members. We also pray for the world, including those who would harm us, those who are sick, in trouble, grief and or adversity, with special regards to those known to the people. Finally, we pray for those departing this world, thus bringing to mind those who are struggling with disease, famine, drought, natural disasters, tyranny and warfare. The Commemoration of the Departed In praying for the departed, we follow the same format as in the commemoration of the living. First we pray for the Church triumphant, for all those who have served the Lord and humanity in good faith and may have died as martyrs on its behalf. Then we pray for those of our families and friends who have passed on, including all holy men and women from all faiths who have served truly and have gone before us. It is also an act of spiritual empathy generated by the soul of the people and offered to God as a gift of love to the deceased, believing that the absolute merciful nature of God, by whatever name he is known, will redeem us all. The Great Echophonesis The Great Echophonesis summarises the Mass thus far. The purification and elevation of those gathered, their offering of themselves in the form of the elements, in the name and remembrance of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the invocation of the Holy Trinity in the consecration of the elements, and the prayers for those who are struggling, wherever they may be, along with the deceased. The Invitation After the great echophonesis, the people, both visible and invisible, earthly and spiritual, are invited to partake of the sacrament in the renewed spirit devoid of vice, filled with the spirit of joy and thankfulness. The prayer of sanctification is an invocation of the Godhead to bestow upon those about to partake of the mysteries a consciousness of the divine in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and the blessings of good health in body and soul, 
reminding us that in the consciousness of his presence we may live a spiritual life. The Fraction, Co-Signation and Co-Mixture Here the priest states quietly that the bread which we break and the crop which we bless constitute the union of the soul with the light of Christ through the living symbols of the body and blood of the divine which may for the sake of meditation be considered as the spiritual form and energies of the Lord offered up once and for all beyond space and time in the eternal moment of the Eucharist. The Agnes Day, the Sanctus Sanctus and the Administration acknowledge the sacrifice of the Lord after which the sacring bell is rung thrice and the celebrant blesses the people with the uplifted elements in the sign of the cross, after which the priest, speaking for all gathered, states the universal truth that we are one in Christ. The priest then administers the sacred species to those gathered. The Post-Communion Prayer In the Post-Communion Prayer, the priest offers a prayer of thanksgiving on behalf of the people for the spiritual food they have received, a food that has established all who have partaken in his mystical body, which signifies the body of light, and through which the kingdom of heaven is vouchsafed. An optional prayer may be tailored to suit the needs of the moment, otherwise the prayer appointed in the Eucharist service is used. The priest announces that the Eucharistic service is complete with the words Ite Missae Est, and the people reply in unison, Deo gratis, which is Latin for the Mass is finished, and thanks be to God. The Hymn of Dismissal and the Benediction The people stand facing east, and sing or chant a concluding hymn, or psalm of thanksgiving, followed by a blessing in the name of the Holy Trinity, for which the people bow their heads to the Divine. Thus drawing to a close the celebration of the Eucharist. Thank you.